Welcome. You're listening to sermons and talks from Providence Church in Brisbane. We believe that God speaks to us through His Word, the Bible. So we pray that as you listen, you'll be encouraged and challenged to love Jesus and live for Him. For more information about Providence Church, please visit our website, www.providencechurch.com. Mark 4, uh, verse 35 to 41. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Father, may your spirit be at work in us today. Help us to hear your word. Help us to sit under it uh, in, in humility and, and being able to receive it in our hearts. May your spirit uh, move us, Lord, so that we can be a people who do trust you and put our faith in you. We do pray for that now. In your son's powerful name, amen. Uh, there's this genre that I've been watching a lot of recently on TV and movies. It's the zombie genre. Who loves zombie flicks, zombie TV shows, anyone? Uh, Luke does and Bayer does. Great. Uh, now, this is, I love the zombie genre. Me and Heidi love watching zombie apocalypse movies. Uh, if you guys don't watch it, then this is not going to work. This, this, let's just scratch this illustration. No. Um, I love watching it because after I watch it, I talk about it with my friends. And I talk about uh, you know, what my strategy would be. You know, I think about where would I go and build a fort to survive. I, I talk about who would I want to be in my group of survivors to have the highest chance of survival, right? I, I mean, don't you ever talk about that? Like thinking, hey, man, if this is zombie apocalypse, where would I go? Who would I want to be with? How would I survive? They're the questions I'd ask. Now, I watch these zombie shows, and I'm, I'm so intrigued, not so much by the zombies, but by the characters. Them surviving together, constantly faced with potential death. And you know what I mean, right? The, the, there's always the character who's the leader of the group, right? The, the strong, brave one um, makes decisions and is, and is able to take on the, the weight of those decisions. They look fit, they're smart, they make calls, they plan strategies. There's, there's a sneaky, agile one, the one who manages to bypass a horde of zombies by crawling through vents of a building or whatever they do. There's the tough guy, the brawny one, who, who always uses a crossbow, doesn't care about anyone else. Uh, and there's, there's the, the weak one, uh, if you know what I mean, the one who screams and panics, and gives away your location all the time, and you're just like, what are you doing? And, and everyone else dies trying to protect that person for some reason. Like, why? Like, just let them die. Let them be bait. Uh, but we, we watch it. It's so enjoyable. Uh, it's so enjoyable because you watch and you see the humanness, don't you, of these people, of these characters. Uh, some, you know, you see how they respond in the, in the face of fear, and some, some do run. They run and they hide and they, uh, and, and they have no plan, just keep running. Some freeze up. They're paralyzed. They're, they're paralyzed with the like, zombies coming out, and they're just, ah, and they're just standing there, and like, you know, seconds and seconds pass, and just, ah, and then a zombie comes and eats them, and you're just like, why? Why? Why are you just standing there? Uh, and, and then there's the, the one who uh, 
who, who just fight. Like they don't even think. They just get a, you know, they get a, they get an axe and they just start hacking away. They, they fight. The freeze, uh, flight, and fight responses. You see that. You see that in the characters. It's really interesting. Now, I, uh, Heidi and I watch a lot of these shows, and Heidi always thinks that I get into fight mode, you know, really quickly. That I just, you know, I just pick something up and try, you know. But I think, you know what? I think I'd like to think I'd probably flee. I, I would flee probably. I, you know, if, I'd, I'd be scared. I'd just run. But I would also fight from afar. You know, let's let's be smart about. It. Let's set traps. Let's get organized. And you can't just go in guns blazing with a horde of zombies. You'll get, they'll overpower you. Be smart. But if you're Heidi, I've asked Heidi about this. What she would do is probably scream and freeze and then get in. Honestly, that's what would happen to Heidi. Like she's the person who I'm staring at the screen going, why are you standing there? Please run, please run, hurry up, please run. And she would just freeze up. And she'll, she'll admit that to you. She's, you know, she, empathy, as great as it is, doesn't help you when zombies want to eat you. That's Heidi. She's the character I'm always pulling my hair out of. But anyways, you can't blame anyone. You can't blame anyone if they freeze, right? I mean, if, the, if one of your friends turns into a zombie and comes at you, I would, I would, I would freeze up. You know, that would be, an, a, that would be a, a general, natural response in the face of fear. What would yours be? Freeze, fight, flight, flee, I mean. Uh, you know, what, are, what does it look like in the face of fear in everyday life, in hardships or trials or in stress, natural disasters? Some of us don't always respond in those modes. Sometimes we panic, though. Uh, even the most courageous, we, we still all have a response when we face our fears, don't we? Jesus in this story here gives us an alternative. There'll be times when you have to face fear. You have to face the trials and hardships of life, where there'll be opposition coming at you. Even the forces of nature might threaten your very existence. I mean, the last two years of, of, of this pandemic have been a wake-up call for many of us. How have we responded in the face of fear? Jesus, in this narrative here, Jesus, you know, what happened to Jesus in this story tells us to face it with faith. And that's what we're going to unpack from this passage of Mark in this section of Mark chapter, chapter 4. What we hear is this re, uh, recount of Jesus' life where he's out on a boat in a storm with his disciples. Okay, follow along. If you have your Bibles open, it's good to follow along so you know where I'm reading from. In verse 35, it says, this. let's set the scene, okay? Let's picture what's going on. That, that day when evening came, so the sun setting, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along. Just as he was, he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Let me stop there. Jesus has been teaching the crowds. The context is he's been teaching the crowds uh, on the shore, uh, and now he wants to cross over the, the Sea of Galilee. That's where he is. And he's probably exhausted, right? He's probably tired from people uh, all day long. And so he goes into the boat, in the stern of the boat. He finds a cushion, takes a nap. Sounds random, these details, but at least we know this, this is an eyewitness account. These little details are there. He sleeps on a cushion in the stern, falls asleep there. What happens? A storm comes, a storm hits. A literal a storm that Jesus and his disciples encountered on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, a furious squall is the, is the wording here. We're talking extreme nature, angry storm, uh, close all the schools in Brisbane type of storm, get the sandbags, bomb warnings, you know, that type of hurricanes coming onto the Sea of Galilee. Now, if you do your research, you know your geography, uh, you, you'll know that the Sea of Galilee is about 700 feet below sea level, right? 
And then nearby, not far, you've got mountains there, like Mount Hermon, I think it is, about 9,000 feet high. 700 feet below sea level, 9,000 feet uh, high in terms of the mountains nearby. What does that mean? You've got cold air coming from the mountains, coming down, and then you've got the, uh, the, 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 it clashes, from the, the clashes with the warm, moist air coming from the sea, right? And what do you get when that happens? A storm, thank you. A storm, you know, uh, the perfect recipe for a, for a storm. That's science, right? Grade nine science, I think it was. Now, this storm forms and starts raging outside. Where is Jesus? He's asleep. Now, one, that's amazing, isn't it? Oof. He can sleep in a storm. That's amazing. He's getting thrashed about and he still manages to sleep. But two, aren't we seeing something so, so really human about Jesus in this moment? This guy is probably exhausted from all the crowds and, and he needs to recharge. I mean, extroverts and introverts need to sleep, right? Jesus' humanity is on full display here to the reader, to us, to his disciples even. He's a human who needs to sleep as well. They record that for us here. But the disciples, they're freaking out. This isn't some light sun shower. We know what heavy rain looks like. We've experienced it these last few weeks in Brisbane. Heavy rain, flooding in Brisbane, and, and we know the safest place is just to stay at home uh, when that's happening, unless your home isn't safe. But imagine being on a boat in a hurricane. These disciples are with Jesus. Some of them were, were professional fishermen. That was their job, to be out on the water day in and day out. They're not strangers to the elements, are they? They've been in storms before, but listen to this language. A furious squall came up. The waves broke over so that the boat was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? They're scared. They're panicking in the face of fear. Can you imagine it? Heavy winds, unrelenting rain, crashing into the boat. There'd be pandemonium. You'd feel so vulnerable, so helpless before this mighty, furious thunder and lightning around the sky. Get more buckets, we're going to die. Panicking. Imagine that, you're, you're scooping water out of this boat and it's like up to your ankles. It's like, it's like scooping sand on a beach with a teaspoon. It's a, you're barely making a difference. And the disciples, Jesus, he's asleep. Disciples, come on Jesus, wake up. Don't you care if we drown? What does Jesus do? Let's read verse 39. He got up, rebuked the wind, said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is Jesus, the one that they call teacher, teacher, teacher. Now there is no dispute in history. Jesus was a man who lived and taught people. People saw him as a, a rabbi figure, a Jewish teacher. You can't argue against that. He, there is records of a man called Jesus who died on a Roman cross in history, a real person. People won't dispute, dispute that, but this is how they see him, right? A teacher. And they come to him, and this is how many people see him as well. Teacher, a good person who tells you to love your enemies, accept all people. People say that's, what, that's, people say that's the Jesus they want to believe in, a good teacher. But what about this Jesus? The one who has divine, unimaginable power. That with, a, that with a simple command, the forces of nature will bow down and submit to him. That supernatural power. He gets up, rebukes the wind, and the waves uh, are still. Jesus has this authority here. He rebukes a hurricane and it obeys him like a, like a well-trained, obedient dog. The winds die down, completely calm. Now this is crazy because in ancient history, the water, the sea... 
we always, it was always known to be like chaos. It was uncontrollable. If you chose to sail out to the water, you're, you're going into the unknown. You're at the mercy of the water, the waves, and the wind. It's not in your control. You don't have power over it. You might have an idea of the direction of the wind, right? You remember uh, as a kid, did you guys ever do that thing where you lick your finger and you... Yeah? No? You... Like it's a... Why do you do that? Because you're supposed to figure out where the direction of the wind is coming by licking your finger. Does it even work? Well, we just taught that. Yeah, it does work. It feels cold the way the wind's coming from, right? So that's why you lick your finger. So you can know the direction of the wind, right? If you're out on the water, but you don't have any control over it. You can't control how strong the winds are coming or, or which direction. And if you've ever been on a boat, you'll know that, don't you? You'll know that. You, you, you'll feel so small. Even when you're in the beach in the, in, the, in the waters, you feel so small, don't you? Yet there is one greater, even above that watery chaos, the Creator Himself. No one can control the forces of nature except God. This was, everyone knew this in ancient history, in ancient times. And think about it. Jesus gets up from his sleep and he utters a few words and the storm stops in its tracks. He has the authority to speak and creation obeys. Do you see what he's doing? He's making a huge statement here. If you can, flip with me to Psalm 107, but I'll just read it to you. 107, Psalm 107, verse 23 to 32. Just listen along. This is, this is so beautiful, uh, but it's a picture of who God is. Some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and they staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. And they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Now imagine, if you were a Jewish person during this time, right? The time of Jesus. The other day you were at synagogue, or you are reading Psalm 107 in your, in your quiet time. You've been meditating on Psalm 107 all week. God, Yahweh, he can still a storm to a whisper, hush the waves of the sea, like Psalm 107 says. Now today you're on a boat and there's a furious storm around you. And on this boat is a man called Jesus. And with a word he stills the storm. Who is this man? These disciples, the authors of, I mean, the, 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 these disciples, even uh, the, the, the authors of this, the, the books in the Bible, they're living in a time when they witness firsthand this supernatural force that goes against the natural forces of our world. But this is just the beginning. They'll see the same man raise people from the dead. They'll see the same man die on a Roman cross and be raised three days later. They'll see the same man teach and love. There's all these recorded eyewitnesses in the Bible of who this man is, Jesus. He's not just a man. He comes with the power of God himself. Tim Keller, he's an author and pastor in the U.S., he writes this, he says, Jesus is demonstrating here that I am not just someone who has power, I am power itself. Anyone and anything in the whole universe that has power has it on loan from me. And I find that so insightful. The, the universe depends on God to keep spinning and to, and to not implode on itself. It, it's upheld by God. And so when you think the sun is really powerful, you know, shining its UV rays, give you melanomas, whatever, the lightning can cause trees to fall down and the winds can cause tornadoes that blow houses away. Well, 
creation, the forces of nature, are at the beck and call of Jesus. If he chose to, he can say, quiet and be still. Friends, do you see this, who this man is? He's so much more than some, some teacher that walked the earth 2,000 years ago. He's showing his disciples who he is, the creator God who has power and authority even over the elements of our natural world, even a furious storm that threatens to stop him from reaching his destination, he will speak and it will be stilled. Look at the, let's look at the disciples though in the story. There is a legitimate fear, yes. They're going to die probably. That's what they're thinking. They're panicking. They're afraid. It's okay to be afraid. I mean, that's the first thing. Like, address your emotions, guys. Like, it's okay to be afraid. You're not less masculine, but the disciples, you know, they're scared. I imagine fear to be totally legitimate at this point. They're going to die. This, their teacher, their master, the one that they've been falling around, is taking a nana nap in the stern. Don't you care if we drown? Grab a bucket or something. But Jesus does. Jesus gets up and he calms the storm. How do you feel about that now? Well, we're told they're not just afraid. It says they were terrified. Like an even greater fear has come upon them. Yeah, the storm is over, great. And the seas are calm, yeah, great. No more waves, the sun, is, the sun is out, happy days. But they're not out of the woods. All of a sudden, they're terrified now. You think they could, they, could, they could let out a sigh of relief? No, they stood there paralyzed in terror of whose presence they were in. Yeah, sure, fear the storm, but now a greater fear has gripped them. Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? And you see, like I said, the disciples haven't seen it all yet. They can't see clearly. They watched him already heal a paralytic, though. In chapter 2, we read about that. We saw him forgive sin, something that only God can do. Now Mark wants us to see again. Jesus wants his disciples to recognize who he is. They're in the presence of God. The disciples don't yet see the full picture. Of course they're terrified. They don't see who he is, the, the man who's going to be raised from the dead. And I don't blame the disciples. The supernatural has just happened in front of their eyes. A storm stilled at the words of this man. What could be more frightening? But Jesus wields his power, his might, and his majesty and makes this key statement to them. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Here's the thing Jesus wants them to see. There will be thunderbolts and lightning, which will be very, very frightening. But Jesus is saying, remember whose presence you're in. He shows his power by calming a storm. Do you get it? You're in the presence of Jesus. Do you still have no faith? The storm is raging on outside. There have been floods that have ravaged through our city in northern New South Wales, but whose presence are you in? There's been a microscopic virus that has turned the world upside down where, where something so small has, has flipped the good created order so that the world has suffered and experienced death and sickness of the past two years. Multiple lockdowns leading to loneliness, anxiety, depression. Everyone's lives put on hold. Yes, life has been rough, but whose presence are you in? Sometimes the storm looks less like thunder and lightning, but more like the circumstances in our lives, the internal storms that, that are brewing with our relationships, with our insecurities, or our mental health. Sometimes the storms feel like the whole entire world is against you. Yes, but whose presence are you in? Jesus says to you and to I, when we face fear, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Here's the thing I want to talk about. This is, how do we understand faith? 
You see, the thing about faith is this question, do you still have no faith? What he's saying is, do you still have no faith in me? Faith demands an object, doesn't it? When you have faith, it's, it's trust. The definition of faith is, yeah, trusting. But you're trusting in something, aren't you, when you have faith? You know, the thing is, what we've done in society is we say, have a little faith, as if it's just, what are we, what are, faith in what? It, it's become this thing where it's just positive thinking. Just have a little faith. Uh, have a little trust. Trust in what? Just trust. Trust the process. Tr- what? Trust what? And people will tell you that. When you're nervous or worried or scared, just have a little faith. You'll be fine. And what is that meant to mean? Our new age culture has defined faith as just a being a little bit positive. The, the universe wants the best for you. It'll be okay if you just believe, just manifest it. Things will be all right. And you see, the implication uh, or assumption really is have, a, have really have faith in yourself. Just trust in yourself. You can do it. Believe, and it'll be okay. And yeah, not going to lie, right? There are many people are successful, and through believing in themselves, working hard, all that stuff, but then what? We spend our lives trusting our own efforts till we get to a point where we realize there are some things just out of our control. There are storms that are raging on outside. And sure, we can find status and financial success, but our relationships might suffer, our health might suffer. People will just say, be positive. Give positivity to the universe, and the universe will send positivity back. But come on, the universe doesn't care about you. Faith isn't just positive thinking. You know what else isn't faith, though? I, I often hear Christians say this. My, my, Mikey, my faith isn't as strong as yours. My faith isn't that strong. I, I couldn't do that because my faith is so weak. I couldn't take that risk. I'm too afraid to do this. And I, and I wonder if we've misunderstood faith in terms of how we see it, right? What we do is we quantify faith. I have lots of faith or I have little faith. Jesus rebukes the storm and he says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith in me? Think about this. The disciples have been hanging out with Jesus for a while now. They've seen him heal lepers, cast out demons, heal paralytic. In the next chapter, we're going to see him bring a little girl back to life in chapter 5. Jesus does all these things. They've seen him work miracles, right? He says to them, do you still have no faith in me? Here's a question for us. What does your faith look like? It's not about the strength of your faith, but the question is, who or what is your faith in? What is the object of your faith? That's the focus. When you talk about your faith, you should be talk, thinking about what's the focus of who you're putting your faith in, not about the strength of it, the, the quantity of it. And, the, and, and the, the focus is that the object isn't something fragile, is it, that has no legs to stand on? The object of our faith is Jesus. I will tell you this. When I see people who do have lots of faith, lots of faith, guess why? It's because they know the one that they put their faith in. They have lots of faith because they know Jesus. They know him intimately. They trust that he can heal lepers, give sight to the blind, and make a storm stand still at a word. Christians who will die for Jesus are Christians who believe and trust that Jesus died for them and was resurrected from the dead. So they have eternal life secured for them. They believe that to be true. They'd stake their life on it. Their faith is strong, not because they have a stronger willpower than you and I, but because they know the one that they have their faith in, the object of their faith. They know who this man is, the one who can still a storm. Does your faith rest in Jesus? Do you know who this man is, this man we call Lord and Savior and King? Because when you do, your faith will look and grow stronger. The more you know him and trust him and believe in him, the more you will be able to face hardships, trials, the storms in life. 
the more you'll be able to face the forces of nature that threaten our lives, the more you'll take risks because Jesus has control because you know Jesus. You know he can still a storm. And when you come to me and you say, Mikey, my faith is weak, well, that's saying something. It says you, maybe you need to get to know Jesus a bit more. Maybe you need to trust who he is, spend more time with him, get to know him. Think about it. If you were in a zombie apocalypse, you'd have more courage, you'd take more risk if the leader of the group is someone you could put your faith in, someone who is strong and brave, who has strategy, who knows what they're doing. But if you're following someone who you don't really trust, who's a bit weak, who screams all the time and gives away your location, you, you would have less faith, wouldn't you, in that person? Your faith would be weak. How do you see Jesus? Do you trust that he's strong and powerful? Has authority even over the elements? Like everyone, when we start in our faith, we all start somewhere, yes. We're, we're, we're like seeds sown on the soil, right? But how will you strengthen your faith, get stronger in your faith? Often we tell ourselves, oh, i just got to do more at church, then I'll get stronger in my faith. I've got to do a list of good works, then I'll get stronger in my faith. But no, the answer is spend more time with Jesus, discovering how great he is. Get to know how powerful he is, that he can perform miracles in your life, that he's got you, he's got your back, your life is safe in his hands. And the more that truth resonates and echoes in your heart, the more you'll be able to face even the most furious hurricane that sweeps through your life. Ultimately, we need to ask ourselves this, who or what is our faith in? And when our faith is in this Jesus of the Bible, wouldn't that change the way we face the storms of life? Yes, even the powerful forces of creation that threaten us, and even the internal storms in our lives that our circumstances throw at us. We, we feel it, don't we? We've been there before, helpless, vulnerable. The circumstances around us that we can't control, that we don't have power over, the, the, the cancer, the relationship, the job situation, the betrayal, the loneliness, the anxiety, the depression, when things simply don't go our way and our, and our little boat called life is on the sea getting thrashed and pounded. It's not a good feeling, is it? Some of us have been at that point where we feel like we're sinking, we're drowning, and we're asking God, where are you? Why are you ignoring me? Are you asleep? Are you distant? Are you uncaring? Don't you care for me, God? I feel like I'm going to die. And we cry out to God, don't you care that we're drowning? If you cared, if you loved me, you wouldn't. You'd protect me from this storm. You wouldn't let these things happen to me. And we pray and we ask God, take away these storms. And when people ask, what can I pray for you about? You say, pray for me that bad things won't happen in my life. But what if we could pray instead that we'll have faith in who Jesus is? And what if God's love for us is allowing us to sometimes go through those storms so we could get through to the other side and see the one who is infinitely more powerful than the storm itself? Sometimes we won't truly know what power truly is until we have to face the unrelenting power of the wind and the waves. Yes, pray that you might want to pray that the storm will go away. There's nothing wrong with praying for that. But also pray that no matter how big the waves are, that you'll remain faithful, trusting Jesus through it. Only then will we see Jesus for who he truly is. So much more than just a teacher and all-around good guy. The disciples were terrified. But as Mark goes on, the Gospel of Mark goes on, they're going to see the full picture of who Jesus is. And we have that, don't we, in the Bible. 
we can step back and see the full picture. The same Lord that stills the storm is the same one who willingly threw himself into the storm to defeat death itself. The only storm that can actually eternally sink us. The storm of God's wrath and justice, the reality that you and I all have to face a good and holy God and stand before him knowing that none of us are perfect. Stand before him knowing that none of us have a clean record. Stand before him knowing that we all have sin, me included, before a perfect God. Sin, right, the default state of our human heart which, which disobeys and rejects God. No one is immune to it. We all have sin. And the Bible says we're all deserving of judgment. That's, that's a terrifying storm that is far more powerful than anything else we'll experience in this life. Having to face God and to account for the sin of our hearts. But what we read in the Bible is that Jesus threw himself into that storm for us out of his love for you and for me. Hallelujah. The, the, the only way that storm could be calmed was if the Son of God himself gave up his life on our behalf. There was no other way. It was his life for mine, his life for you and for me and the rest of humanity who can't save ourselves. Yes, he used more than words to calm the, the storm, the, 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 the wind and the way he used his own very life on a Roman cross and died the death that was reserved for us so that we wouldn't have to face that ultimate storm. Do you have faith in him? That he has saved you from the storm of God's judgment. You see, when we realize that, when we see the message of the gospel, we see Jesus with power and majesty, the one who sacrificed his life for us. We won't be asking God, God, don't you care that I'm drowning? Because you'll realize he's with you. He loves you. And you're in the presence of power and peace, even if the wind and the waves are raging around you. Now, whether you're a Christian here or someone who isn't a Christian or you're here to rediscover Christianity, we all have to admit something. We are vulnerable, helpless creatures, aren't we? In the face of fear, in the face of the elements. We don't have control over the storms in our lives sometimes. We do often feel overwhelmed. We feel fear, discomfort, insecurity. We are limited, finite, and constantly have to come face to face with the wind and the waves that crash against our lives. Do we fight? Flee? Freeze? I want you to hear this. Just like the disciples, you'll find yourself in the midst of those storms of hardships. But like them, there is an opportunity to discover and embrace the identity, the majesty and the power of who Jesus is, where your faith in him will carry you through. You see, in Jesus, the antidote to fear is faith in him. Surrender it all at the feet of the cross, where grace and love overflow. Where we can stand in awe of the Savior who threw himself into the ultimate storm for you and for me. You will not be forsaken. Put your faith in him, know his saving power, and look forward. Look forward to the eternal peace and still calm waters that await us in his presence. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus, Lord, that he has power and majesty, that he can calm a storm, still a storm at a word. Lord, I, I, I thank you for Jesus that he went into the storm before us, that we don't have to face death, but Lord, we can receive eternal life because of our faith in him, the one who has loved us, the one who has died for us. And I pray, Lord, as, uh, as your church, we'll be a people, Lord, who, who holds so tightly onto that, the object of our faith, that we will grow stronger in our faith, that we'll learn to trust him through all the good and the bad in life, and through trusting him, Lord, we'll be able to see his bigness, his greatness, his power. 
and be able to take risks for him, be able to, be able to, to live for him in a way that, that shows people that we have a rock-solid confidence in the one that has gone before us, in the one who loves our souls, who died for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.